I'm Shereen Batek, and you're listening to the Modern Retail Podcast, where I speak with executives leading the reinvention of retail. If there's a theme right now, it's uncertainty. And for business owners and founders, uncertainty can be a little bit problematic. My guest today is the wonderful Nate Chackett, CEO of Roan, the clothing company that makes threads that guys can wear in the gym, outside, pretty much anywhere at all. Right, Nate? It's a great description. I couldn't have done it better. Amazing. We're so glad you're back on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So first things first, how are you? <laughs> I think all things considered, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing well and you know, I'm optimistic. Uh, it's certainly a very difficult and trying time for, uh, for everyone. Um, but you know, I also, my favorite quote that I've been sharing with people right now is every storm runs out of rain. Eventually we will get through this. We'll make it through and we'll get on the other side and it's going to require some level of, uh, sacrifice and challenge on the part of everyone. But when I compare and contrast what, you know, our generation's trial is versus prior generation's trials, it's hard to, hard to be upset. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, and that's really been a sort of a theme too with a lot of people I've spoken to, especially, and that's why I wanted you back on the podcast because I think, you know, everyone's going through their own sort of various crises right now and various levels of crisis. And my my first question was really to you is sort of managing a team and managing a company during this time. Um, what's What's been like the hardest part and What's also been surprising for you as you've sort of gone through just the last few weeks? Sure. Well, back, my birthday is in November and my team, uh, I don't know if this was, you know, prophetic or whatnot, but they gave me a book called Leading in Crisis. And uh, it's basically a historical um, book that they know that I love American history. So it goes through various uh, challenges that um, leaders have faced and kind of leading through those difficult times. And, um, and I, I thankfully read it then, but I'm in the process of rereading it now. Uh, now you're taking notes. Exactly. <laughs> now, now it feels very, very, um, <laughs> tangible. And so I think the hardest thing right now is kind of trying to be optimistic and give an air of optimism, but also not let it be false and to be honest. And so what I told my team is I said, I am going to be encouraging. I'm going to be positive but I will be absolutely honest with you. This is difficult and um, we're going to have to bind together during this time. And there's going to be a level of uncertainty and anxiety. And, you know, there's going to be some ups and downs, a roller coaster. but I promise you, I am uh, committed to doing the right thing by our team, by our suppliers and by our customers. Um, this is not to me about taking care of our investors. That if we take care of those first three things, the investors will be taken care of. I think that's a really interesting point. And, you know, we were talking about this um, just all week, really, about just that idea of kind of leading through a crisis and managing through a crisis. And there's just so many kind of known unknowns, and then there's some unknown unknowns. And you mentioned, and I think what you said is great, sort of this managing the reality with the optimism. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people are finding really difficult. I mean, I, I spoke to, you know, somebody yesterday who was saying that sort of they're, they almost feel like they're two people at the same time. They're trying to, they don't want to lie to their, uh, employees to same things or their partners and so on. Everyone knows that, but they also don't, they don't know when this is going to end. So they also have to kind of strike this balance. Um, has that been difficult? And what, what if, what are some of just like the early lessons you've learned from that? Yeah, it's been very difficult. Um, you know, I think uh, I lay in bed at night and my wife is <laughs> looking at me saying, you know, you just 
you just seem spent. And that's how I feel. I feel emotionally very spent right now. Um, just trying to navigate that, trying to keep things together, you know, for her, for the kids, um, for our team, you know, thankfully as a business, we're in, we're in about as good of shape as we could possibly be in. Um, you know, our sales haven't dipped that dramatically in, uh, in e-com. Um, and, you know, we've had to close our retail stores uh, and obviously our wholesale channel is being hurt, but we're a predominantly e-com driven business. So we are faring far better than most. But I will say it's, you know, it's hard. It's hard to kind of just think through the implications and, and to balance that, to say, you know, to not let yourself get down enough, um, but to make sure that you have space if you need to kind of express that. And so for me, I'm an early riser anyways. Uh, so I've just been getting up and I've been able to kind of sp- spend some time with myself a little bit right. and, uh, and exercise and check in and do some breathing and some meditation and just kind of, uh, you know, spend some time on my on my knees in prayer. And, you know, that allows me to kind of set. And then I say, okay, now I'm available for everyone else. You have to learn to compartmentalize. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big time. So I think, you know, let's talk a little bit about the business. Um, so things haven't from the e-commerce perspective, not really dipped. No, there's been, there's definitely been a demand impact, no question. But what we've done is, and we were, we were pretty proactive about this. Uh, we felt like, you know, we just saw the writing on the wall really quickly if retail and wholesale businesses are effectively shut down for some period of time, call it two months, you know, likely on the small end, but uh, on the larger end, it could be longer than that. Um, that means that all these businesses are going to get bloated with inventory. And mm-hmm. when they get bloated with inventory, they're going to have to get promotional. And when they get promotional, um, if everybody's getting promotional all at once, that's going to um, shift customer demand away from us if we're you know, continuing to operate at full price. So I challenged our team in 24 hours to get uh, a promotion ready and to, um, and to be ready to effectively communicate to the customers about what steps and actions we were taking. So go back for a minute. When was that and sort of at what point? Because I think one thing people are finding hard to figure out is when to take these actions. Because it's only getting worse, but there was a weird moment in the middle where it didn't make sense when to do. And I think some people wonder if they missed the boat. I think I think if you're I think I think if it's now then yeah you to a degree you you've missed some of it um, but you know I uh, this was so this was two weeks ago okay what was the signal you saw it was you know it was everybody's working from home we okay. knew stores we hadn't closed our stores yet but we were in the process of deciding that we had already kind of made that decision so I think it was more than two weeks ago that we made the decision and then it was okay team I want our marketing assets I want the dev uh, you know, resources ready to go. And um, they put everything together, launched in 24 hours. And I thought the messaging and the tone um, was, you know, kind of something that we really had to be careful and navigate because there's certainly a, uh, an appropriate concern from consumers. Hey, you're just trying to sell me stuff when I'm trying to deal with this crisis. But I think that what happens is, is if businesses completely start to say, all right, don't market, don't reach out to customers. What we're doing is we're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. We are essentially saying, okay, we're going to stop marketing to customers. We're going to pull way back, which means customer demand is going to drop even further because let's face it, marketing works. And, um, and then companies that get into that situation are going to have to um, let go of employees. And as employees get uh, terminated, consumer demand is going to go down even further. And so it starts to become this self-fulfilling prophecy to a degree. 
And, um, and I really strongly believed that we could communicate appropriately. Here's what we're doing. Here's how we're trying to add value into your lives. But if you're shopping, don't just go to the lowest common denominator. Don't mm. you, you know, Amazon's uh, adding 100,000 jobs. Walmart announced they're adding 150,000 jobs. Consumers were still spending. Um, and what we were trying to remind them of is if you're still out in the market, we understand if you're tightening your wallets, we, we get that. But if you're still out spending, don't forget to, to shop at, um, you know, these brands that try and take the extra step to do things the right way. Absolutely. Give me, give me a little bit of detail on, you know, you mentioned tone, which I think is, I think is so important. And I think you mentioned, it's almost, you didn't say this, but it's almost, it strikes me as like, how do you become useful at a time like this? Everything has to be feel useful, right? So what were the discussions around kind of tone and doing this in 24 hours and putting this on the market? What did you end up with? And what was sort of the initial kind of idea behind this is how we're going to say we're Roan and this is who we are? Well, so thankfully, I think philosophically, that's how we operate anyways. We always we always say, and I may have even said this on a prior podcast, our relationship with our customer, we try to think of it as give, 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 ask, not mm-hmm. ask, 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 give. And, you know, comparing that to a relationship or a friendship, Think about that person in high school or in your life now who only shows up when they want something. You know what I mean? (laughs) Nobody likes that person. And we don't want to be the brand that says, hey, we're only going to come to you when we want to tell you about something that's important to us. Mm -hmm. So we try to think about how can we deliver value over and over and over again, um, above and beyond just making great product, because to me, that's table stakes. So you know, we were, a lot of brands were sending out these COVID-19 emails and they just, to be honest with you, and I hope people don't take this as derogatory, they just struck me as so self-important and absolute BS. Like, why do I care if I shopped at your store three years ago that you decided to have your team work from home and close your retail stores? I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about getting my family safe and, you know, deal with this unprecedented times, dealing with my own business issues. Right. So we sent out an email that the subject line was not another COVID-19 email. Mm-hmm. And at the top, we said, look, we understand um, there are those that are interested in the actions and the steps that we've taken as a team. If you want to read more about that, you can click here. And it would take you to a page and it outlined, you know, very similar boilerplate language that we all received. And then it said, you know, but we're thinking about you during this time. And so here's some resources that we've put together as a team. And it was a combination of both original and curated content that we had pulled. So it was 30 days with workouts from home that you could do. It was um, recommendations of streaming while you're going to be inside more often. And my favorite was we included a link to a C.S. Lewis um, piece uh, that he wrote during, uh, it was called Living in an Atomic Age. And he basically talked about how, you know, this is at the time of the atomic bomb people were spending so much time in fear and panic, just worrying about whether or not they would be hit with an atomic bomb. And he basically said, to a certain degree, we think too much about this. Mm -hmm. And it is preventing us from doing simple and human things that we can still do with our family um, to be present. And so we compared that to, you know, living in a pandemic age, where we should socially distance, and we should absolutely believe in the experts. But we should not allow ourselves to be consumed by this every moment of every day. We shouldn't be endlessly reading news articles or thinking about tracking, mm-hmm. you know, tracking the virus. We should be doing simple and human things, interacting with people, playing games, being, you know, finding moments of levity. And 
I've never, we've never in our history sent out an email that has generated such a positive response as this one did. We had people reaching out to our customer service just to say, this is the fav- my favorite email that I've received out of all the brands. And so to me, that, that helped me know that we were, you know, that we made the right decision there. So you sent this and the, the idea here is, you know, you're trying to do a few different things, right? With this communication. One is you're just reminding people, hey, we're here and this is who we are, right? Yep. Which I think you've done with sort of a tonally appropriate kind of content based and sort of a real, it has personality. It, it is something. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't exist in sort of a vacuum, which I've, I, and you're right. I did feel like a lot of brands sort of existed as like, what is this? Like, I don't even know who this is from. They could, they're all interchangeable. And the second thing is you also want to say like, you know, we're a digitally native e-commerce first brand. So, and we, we know have, our customers, right. And you know, your customers. So, Talk to me a little bit about, you know, managing, managing, making sure that this also, obviously you want this to drive sales, you want this to help your business and you want people to know you've talked about your three stakeholders and now your second stakeholder comes into play, which is your suppliers and your employees and you want to keep them employed and you want to keep stay in business. Um, how do you sort of, where do you go from there? You sent that and then you have to sort of say, do I keep sending people emails? Do I flood the market with Instagram advertising? Do I, how do you keep that going so that people keep buying things from you? Yeah. I mean, I think it's tricky and, and look, uh, we've, we've had people say, Hey, I just saw an Instagram ad or I saw a retargeting ad and I can't believe you'd be advertising during a time like this. And my response has been to our customer experience team. I think we've had four inquiries, which is a relatively low amount. Like, you know, if, if we're getting four of those, like it, th- these are people we're never going to please. You know what I mean? They are the, the people that just have, they need something to get mad about. And those people <laughs> exist and God bless them. They, you know, they challenge us to be better. So you know who they are? They're the same people who email us saying everything should be free on your website. And then I have to remind them that there are literally 30 journalists working very hard who need to pay their bills. Who who need to be employed. And, you know, in in some ways, it's just a misunderstanding of economics. The truth is, is that um, if, if we stop advertising, our sales will go down. And if our sales go down, we can't keep our team employed. And if we can't keep our team employed, then we need to make layoffs. And if we need to make layoffs, then uh, we're just exacerbating consumer demand challenges. Now, we, every brand, um, and I've, I've had the opportunity to speak to over 30 brand leaders over the last, you know, two weeks during this time, every single brand is, is going through their PL with a, you know, with a fine tooth comb and looking at every aspect of it and making decisions. But what we shouldn't do is we shouldn't just stick ourselves into a hole and just say, we hope this goes away. We should continue to try and contribute. And part of what we can contribute is we make really great product that people can wear at home. And our warehouse is still shipping. And, um, and again, people are still buying. People are going to Amazon and Walmart. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, they're buying birthday presents. In some cases, mm-hmm. they're buying anniversary gifts. In some cases, they're you know, buying feel better gifts. And they're, they're not just buying eggs and milk and um, groceries. We understand the priority of those things. We want to encourage the priority of those things. But to the extent that people are shopping, we want them to remember there are so many great brands out there that, um, that people should pay attention to. We're going to take a quick break for an ad and we'll be right back. 
you mentioned, you know, the warehouse is still shipping. What has the impact been just on sort of the supply chain and the logistics part? And what have you had to do to mitigate some of that? Yeah, well, thankfully, we saw the supply chain impacts early, earlier on. So they, these all didn't hit kind of at the same time, mm. which in some cases has been a net positive. You know, our two, the two biggest parts to our supply chain, though, are Italy and Asia. Um, and so we use a ton of Italian fabrics. Uh, we do some manufacturing in Portugal, but we have a lot of uh, Vietnamese and Chinese uh, manufacturing. So there, there has been, you know, kind of four to six weeks worth of delays because even take our um, Vietnamese supplier, which, you know, hasn't been impacted as much as, say, China mm-hmm. was, they're still reliant on uh, accessories and trims and zippers and buttons and, you know, parts that, uh, that come from China. So, so they were facing delays. So we were kind of leaning into that. But the truth is, is right now, I think the biggest issue for everyone is if demand goes down or continues to stay down and we have continued closures of retail stores and wholesale stores, inventory is going to be the bigger issue, not chasing into inventory. So, um, you know, so it's, we're, we're in a really good position, I think, relative to most, and we've got sure. great relationships with our factories, but mo- all of our factories are completely back online. Um, our biggest factory is at 95% capacity, mm-hmm. and they're, they're pushing it. They want us to order more products. That's so, in China? Yeah, it's, uh, or it's in Vietnam, um, yeah. but they're, you know, they're pushing us. And so uh, it's, you know, we're kind of having to navigate that and say, look, this is, you know, this is where we are. Talk a little bit about sort of the promotional aspects of this. I mean, the the biggest danger here, obviously, for a company is going to be potentially inventory that they have to just sell and start cash flow, right? That We can't stem anything and you can't stem job losses. You can't stem. There are very few levers really available to pull at this potent, at this time to reduce costs. So cash flow becomes a thing. Um, excessive discounting, excessive promotions obviously are all sort of on the table. How do you define excessive? We, we will see it. It's going to happen. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, um, I think brands will get somewhat of a pass during this time because people understand it. And we've tried to approach it in Look, we understand that all consumers, it doesn't matter your background, all consumers are thinking about tightening their wallets right now. And that's a reality of where we are. We want to be able to give a benefit to them to say, you can buy our product at, um, you know, at some level of a discount during this time, um, you know, because we care about you and we want to, you know, we want you to have great product and we understand you're tightening your wallets and Mm -hmm. it helps us too. We need to manage our inventory. So, you know, we're not excessive discounters. We're very, very thoughtful. We try not to discount more than a couple of times a year. Um, but this will be, you know, there will be some exception. We won't go deep, but, right. um, but you will see brands that will have to. Yeah, absolutely. L- let's talk a little bit about, I mean, um, yeah. last time you were on the podcast, we spoke, I think, at length about sort of the way to level up for a lot of, you know, so-called kind of direct-to-consumer brands is brick and mortar. Brick and mortar ends up being that we talked a lot about Warby Parker. We talked about, you know, your own retail stores and just how important they were. And I am curious sort of, look, at some point this does end, but what are the things that remain? What are the trends that get accelerated to a point that we just don't go back to the way things were? And I think one is, you know, I've seen forecasts that say the e-commerce numbers we expected in 2025 are actually just going to happen in 2021 in terms of growth. Exactly. Um, where does this sort of, obviously people will go back to stores. Brick and mortar is not going to die, but 
I do wonder about the ch- change in strategies again for online, born online brands. You know, maybe this ends up just changing a lot more than we expected. How are you thinking about sort of, obviously you have physical stores that aren't open right now, but how do you think about just overall as a company strategy that, how do you sort of plan ahead for when this ends at some point? Well, I, you know, I would almost look at it as the opposite because I think in any, in any situation like this, you're going to get people who underreact and people who overreact. And I think right now we're in, and I don't mean this from a health standpoint, like I am firmly, we've been, we as a family, we quarantined early. Like I'm firmly in the camp of social distancing and like keep separation. So right. I don't mean overreacting in terms of uh, closing stores. I do mean overreacting in terms of people saying retail's dead. Like this is why we don't open retail. Um, and in some cases it's going to level set the market and, mm-hmm. and re-level the playing field. And there's going to be opportunities that, that come out. The bottom line is people people like to shop in stores and there's some right. real advantages of having physical stores. And, you know, the things that we talked about two months ago, those are, are not faults now. It's just um, we're in this weird time. We have to weather it and hopefully landlords and everyone will be uh, favorable. But in some cases, it might act as a clearinghouse to get, um, you know, non-serious players out and that will present some opportunities. I do think that brands um, that I won't name, but who leaned so heavy into retail before they were really, really ready for it are in a lot of pain right now. Um, And, uh, and so, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's going to continue to be the case. You mentioned rent, how, how big of a, how big of a sort of a challenge rent is going to be, I think, especially for people with a lot, lot of stores. Um, is I think the big, the big thing here. I mean, you're already seeing kind of, I mean, I didn't think Cheesecake Factory would lead us into the revolution, but apparently they're, really? they're the ones. I mean, I, yeah. I did. Yeah. They, they weren't on my list. Um, but Hey, um, but you, you know, you're seeing, Cheesecake Factory? <laughs> you're calling me out. I've never actually been, I will though. This is, this is the time I go, go, I'm going to go support them after all this, but you know, you're seeing Walmart suspend rents for shopping shops. You're seeing kind of landlords figure out, you're seeing rent concessions, what's even the outlet here? I mean, there are some concessions you people can get and are trying to get from landlords, right? Well, I think that um, some of this will be legislated. There will be some, you know, kind of federal directive in terms of how landlords have to treat uh, tenants. But, you know, the the rest is that there's, you know, there's going to need to be some concessions. You're seeing in China some rent abatements and concessions that have been kind of 40 to 60% plus um, and I think we will see similar things here in the U.S. because it just has to be. Landlords are highly dependent on uh, tenants that have sustainable, profitable, scalable businesses. Right. And if they're charging them rent while these businesses are not generating revenue, that is neither sustainable nor profitable. Right. So it's their own problem, really. Yeah. In it's, some ways. It, and and you know the forward-thinking landlords will. Um, will be thoughtful and take action. And those that, you know, kind of stick their um, foot in the ground and say, no, you know, a contract is a contract will, will be known quickly in the market for it. The thing that landlords and everyone generally, like the theme of this is information transfers so much quicker today than it used to. Mm-hmm. You know, to think that in a week I could get on the phone or a video conference with 30 other digitally native brand leaders, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that just, that the speed did not happen. And we're sharing articles and information and guidance, you know, what are you seeing in conversion drops in these markets? Like, so 
if we have landlords that handle this really well or landlords that handle this really poorly, the market's going to know like exactly that. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I've been I've been talking a lot about empathy and I mean I meant that more in like an internal, you know, when you're managing a company and this is the time, you know, you're empathetic to your maybe your employees are a little bit distracted for a couple of hours of the day. Maybe you don't track productivity, but I think it extends across like people will remember. People will remember the companies that treated people well. People also remember the companies that understood economics and were part of this ecosystem. And I think that's that's been sort of my big thought this week for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think all of that matters. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and the trick is, is that it, there's a balance because, you know, you could say, uh, I mean, I spoke to this really amazing, beautiful brand that's had to, had to lay off a, you know, half of their team and um, their entire retail team. And they had, you know, they, uh, not to give any clues, but they've, they have, they have a fair number of stores and this brand leader was just, you know, really emotional about this, understandably. And, you know, the truth is, is that if your brand's not going to, if your business isn't going to sustain it mm-hmm. and you don't take the action, well, then you haven't, you know, you can't continue to have an impact. And so it is this balance of trying to do everything possible and be very human and very empathetic. And then also remembering to make good business decisions so that you have a business to continue to talk about and have an impact. I think that's exactly it. Um, Nate, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that's all for today's episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Pierre BNMA. So please head to your iTunes store, like the show, review it, hopefully five stars, and we'll see you next week. 